In this episode of Quakers Today, we ask, when it comes to activism, do the ends justify the means? You will hear excerpts from my interview with actress Daryl Hannah. Last month, she took part in an elaborate hoax played on the media and the Mattel Corporation. Turns out one of the tricksters behind this mischief campaign is a graduate of a Quaker school. He speaks lies to power. Plus, a group of young Quakers share their insights and experiences with us. I am Peterson Toscano. This is Season 2, Episode 4 of the Quakers Today podcast, a project of Friends Publishing Corporation. This season of Quakers Today is sponsored by the American Friends Service Committee. Mattel intends to go 100% plastic-free by 2030 in all of their toys. They hope to support a global ban on plastics. It's really what needs to be done. That is actress and eco-activist Daryl Hannah. After she made this announcement, I reached out to interview her about this big, bold Barbie move. Why are you so passionate about this particular issue? Well, I've been engaged in all aspects of fighting for our planet, our planet's inhabitants, um, not just the humans, but the other creatures as well, and our ecosystems for pretty much most of my adult life. It's not even something that I consciously have decided to do. It's something I can't not do. When you love something, you want to protect it. The action figure they made in your likeness has an accessory that goes along with her. Two accessories, I believe. I have a monkey wrench. I have some uh, handcuffs, but actually, in fact, I used chains when I chained myself to a tree at the South Central Farm. I definitely have a few um, non-plastic, biodegradable tools. The only problem is... The whole thing is a hoax. Within an hour of Daryl Hannah's announcement, the Barbie Liberation Organization, or BLO, went public. News of the hoax spread widely in the U.S. media. Most praised the BLO for their creative way of highlighting the plastic pollution crisis. Others criticized Daryl Hannah and the activists behind the false news story. I spoke with some of the folks at my Quaker meeting who expressed concern over the trickery. Turns out they know one of the hoaxer activists. As a boy, he came to the meeting house and attended the nearby friend's school. So I tracked him down. He agreed to share with us the method behind the mayhem he caused. My fictional name is Jeff Walburn. I work with a group of artist activists called the Yes Men. We do mischief performances that find us becoming our opponent. Companies were trying to move in order to dramatically pretend that they're going to do the right thing for once. It's a kind of roundabout way to make them actually tell the truth. I grew up in rural Pennsylvania going to Greenwood Friends School, a really great experience. Every morning we'd start with meeting and once a week go to the Millville meeting. And there were a lot of amazing teachers there. They loved being exposed to many Quakers and Quaker practice. 
So most recently, we pretended to be Mattel, manufacturer of Barbie and other toys. We announced that they would be going plastic-free and no longer using petroleum products to create all these dolls and toys that are just going to end up in landfills and leaching into waterways. And then for a really short window of time, we made some of the media believe it was a real announcement and get all very excited about it. And then we revealed that it was not true, but still something that really should be done. I helped write a lot of the materials, which includes press releases and websites, and we had a press conference. Our collaborator, Daryl Hanna, was a Mattel spokesperson coming out as, as their spokesperson of the program. We made a fake product commercial of this new line of Barbies that instead of plastic, they'd be made, made out of mycelium and mushrooms. Made of mushrooms, she's the best. Eco-warrior Barbie. Putting bad guys to the test. Eco-warrior Barbie. Which is a little bit far-fetched because it's not being done yet, but it's also still very feasible. We make press release pages that look like the real company's website, and then we engineer that into the media by having a lot of conversations with press. These companies spend huge amounts of money on their own deception. They're way out-resource us in terms of greenwashing and the resources that go into advertising and making people see them a certain way. This kind of guerrilla tactic is just a little cheap, quick, dirty, messy way to just correct their image. We actually call it identity correction, using lies to tell the truth. The difference between what we do and fake news is that the duration is incredibly short and, the, and it only works when it's revealed. Fake news is supposed to exist as fake, as misinformation. What we do is a failure if people think it's real. We think of our work as fitting in a lineage of tricksterism. The aspects of tricksterism that I think are super important to keep in mind and why it's useful when applied to activism is that the trickster is a bit amoral. The trickster does things that most people won't do, which is to navigate a moral gray area in search of something that is life-bringing for everybody. What's useful about what we do is that it does some things that traditional activism can't. And I think that's always what the trickster is useful for. What I like to think as part of the definition of tricksterism is that they're always punching up against power, never down or laterally. There are people who don't have power sneaking around through the in-between zones of power and undermining it. Usually later, years later, after certain a series of actions or campaigns, you will see news about a company behaving really similarly to how we posited they would. In a weird way, sometimes these lies are just premature truths. We are prefiguring how things can and should be, as if we're like time travelers from the future coming back and saying, by the way, this is the world that we exist in. It's just that the CEOs haven't caught up to that world yet. But many of them will. That was a member of the Yes Men mischief-making activist group. He goes by the name Jeff Walburn. We also heard from eco-activist and actress Daryl Hannah. As part of this episode, I wrote the article Speaking Lies to Power, Daryl Hannah, Barbie, and Quaker Tricksters. 
In it, I go into more details about this story, and I highlight some of the infamous Quaker tricksters like Bonnie Tinker and Benjamin Lay. You can find the article at friendsjournal.org. I also have a video of my full interview with Daryl Hannah and links to the fake TV ad Jeff made and much more in our show notes. In Martin Kelly's editorial for the September issue of Friends Journal, he asks, what if there are isolated seekers in ones and twos just waiting for us to provide a bit of attention and support? The print and online articles are snapshots of what draws people into and out of our fellowship. After reading them, I asked five of the writers to record a brief excerpt for us. I put these together for you as an audio collage. If we can embrace God with a renewed dedication, we will strengthen our witness in the world. We might also convince some Christ-curious 20-somethings that being Christian does not have to involve embracing reactionary politics. We know that Christianity has been co-opted by some of the most violent forces in this country and has been used to justify acts of evil for centuries. So has almost every other organized religion. That doesn't mean we need to get rid of it altogether. In fact, we could come to understand that our duty as progressive Christians is to reclaim our faith, just like early friends did. When Christianity was corrupted by a government that violated many of Jesus' teachings, Quakerism emerged in England as a response. They, in turn, were mirroring the early church and its rebellion against a corrupt empire. At each of the major crossroads in my life, I embraced both consciously and sometimes unconsciously Quaker organizations and institutions. Upon reflection, one of the common themes in my journey that kept me returning to Quaker spaces again and again is the Quaker commitment to imagining and experimenting with creating a better world. It is among friends that I have been most challenged and inspired to put my values into action. I have found the society to be a space conducive to going outside the box. If you really believe that there is that of the divine in every person, you find huge repercussions in your life. In a world that is constantly telling us what to think, bombarding us with content and monetizing our attention, Quakerism can be a respite. My interpretation of Quakerism is that it invites us into our own relationships with the divine, free of intermediaries. There is no adult trying to convince us to believe something. We don't even have to use a certain word to define a higher power. I have found comfort in rejecting the masculine and patriarchal depictions of God in other religious spaces, and instead leaning into concepts of the divine light. We were deeply committed to following Christ in a church community, but as we grew and matured into adulthood, we found that we had to hide parts of ourselves in order to be accepted by our faith communities. The less we hid, the more marginalized we became in the churches we had grown up in. When we learned about Quakers, a community of people committed to peace, justice, equality, racial, gender, and generational, a belief that the Spirit is still speaking and any one of us can hear that divine voice, we felt that we did not need to become Quaker. Rather, it felt like we already were Quaker. It felt more like discovering our identity and a community rather than like converting to Quakerism. 
With Quakers, we have been free to be who we authentically are. We feel encouraged to bring our full, true selves to worship and ministry. I liked the weight of the history, how over the hour of worship, it conjured a sense of community and imagination of others' lives. The sense not only of the immediate presence of others sitting on the meeting's benches on a given day, but of the intangible presence of those who had sat there before. Though my college campus was full of life, its community felt imbalanced as a young growth forest. On breaks, I went to meeting. At meeting, I stared at the cloud-colored hair on friends' heads, watched the quiver of their bodies against the stiff pews, and imagined time beyond my lifetime. I saw these friends assemble themselves on their feet and begin to speak from some smooth, rich place that was invisible to me. I listened to their messages like I was overhearing a secret. You heard Olivia Chalkley, Madison Rose, Nikki Holland, Sophia Williams, and Annie Bingham. They each read excerpts from their articles, which appear in the September issue of Friends Journal. I strongly encourage you to visit friendsjournal.org to read their full articles. I have links in our show notes at quakerstoday.org. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Quakers Today. Season 2 of Quakers Today is sponsored by American Friends Service Committee. Do you want to challenge unjust systems and promote lasting peace? The American Friends Service Committee, or AFSC, works with communities worldwide to drive social change. Their website features meaningful steps you can take to make a difference. Through their Friends Liaison Program, you can connect your meeting or church with AFSC and their justice campaigns. Find out how you can become part of AFSC's global community of changemakers. Visit AFSC.org. That's AFSC.org. Visit QuakersToday.org to see our show notes and a full transcript of this episode. And I'm very curious about your thoughts around Quakers and tricksters. When it comes to activism, do the ends justify the means? Let me know. Leave a voicemail at 317-QUAKERS. That's 317-782-5377. 317-QUAKERS, plus one if calling from outside the USA. I'd love to share your thoughts in next month's show. Thank you so much for listening today. I look forward to connecting with you very soon.